many of us are feeling quite anxious these days. Um, we may even describe it as fearful or panicked or worried. We're worried, will we, will we be okay? Will we be sick? Will our loved ones get sick? Um, in light of all that's going on, will there be enough? Will there be enough food? Will there be enough medicine? Will there be enough resources in the coming days? And what's even more scary at times is that fear, anxiety, panic, these are contagious emotions at times. And we're seeing it in some places almost spread virally. And most often, I believe, we are afraid when we feel a loss of control, particularly a loss of control over our future. What's going to happen tomorrow? What's going to happen in the next week, the next month, moving forward? And it's even more scary now that we've had to cancel or postpone so many plans and put them on hold that we feel we have no control over anything. And we start to try to regain control to kind of build confidence in what's coming because really we, we need hope. And hope is about an expected future. It's about what we anticipate coming. And so we need hope to weather any crisis, any storm in life. And we, we will seek ways to build hope no matter what. And there's a couple ways that I've noticed that we do this. We will often try to build hope through information, you know, knowledge gathering. We want to know how we're going to deal with this. So we start to read up on it. We start to watch the news. Um, we want to know how we're going to deal with this in the days coming. So we, we start to explore, okay, what are the symptoms we need to look for? What are the things that we can do to prevent this? What are the changes that we need to make to protect ourselves and to protect our loved ones? And, and in many ways, gathering this information is really healthy. It, it allows us to deal with what's going on with facts. But like most things in life, if we take it too far, it can turn ugly. And it can get unhealthy pretty quickly. We can find ourselves actually in information overload and, and paralyzed by the fact that we, we have too much information. We don't know how to deal with it all. And, and I find myself in this. I find myself scrolling through social media looking for articles I find myself watching the news a little too much and it is starting to consume me and what started out as an effort to gain a little control we find it starting to control us and so we find that there's never enough news there's never enough information and instead of giving us hope, it leads to even more anxiety and more fear and panic. And oh, it, it loses its purpose pretty quickly and leads us back down the road we were trying to avoid. And 
we, we sometimes also find ourselves, you know, not only in gathering so much information, is that we start to prepare. Um, and preparation can be a means of kind of regaining and reinstilling a little hope of, I have a plan now, and, and a plan is great. Um, we, we start to plan for, okay, if, if my plant closes down, if, if my kids are out of school for the rest of the year, this is what we're going to do. Um, we even start to gather resources. We start to gather our supplies. Um, you know, if, if we have to stay home for two weeks because we're sick, these are the things we're going to need. And so we start to prepare. And, and like I said before about gathering information, this is, this is healthy. This is good. Um, but it can go too far, can't it? You see, our plans start to turn to worries. And we begin to wonder if we have enough. Do we have enough supplies? And we see others in the grocery store kind of pulling a little bit more than what they need. A little extra. And we catch that fear of not having enough. And we begin to stockpile and we begin to hoard. And, and I found myself in this situation a bit of like, oh, they're running low on toilet paper. I'm not sure how much we have at home, so I'm going to pick up a case. And, and I found myself engaging in this. And I'm a horrible grocery shopper anyway because I always buy something I already have at home and then I forget to buy what I was supposed to buy anyway. But I found myself with, you know, not a stockpile of toilet paper, but probably more than we need at the moment. So I'm willing to share. But I caught the fever. <laughs> I caught the fear of it and, and started to engage in it myself. And, and sometimes when we take more than we need, we begin to create scarcity for others. And we find ourselves consumed and controlled by our need to have everything at hand. And suddenly we're no longer in control, but we're being controlled by our need to be prepared. And I think this even extends into our, our financial resources, into, um, you know, sometimes what people call wealth building. And most of us are, I don't know if I'm building wealth. I'm just trying to prepare for my future. I'm trying to have enough for retirement. I'm trying to have enough savings for, for my future. And, and those are good things. Those are responsible things. And, and having a plan and a financial plan is something I encourage everyone to have. Don't allow your finances to rule you. Because there's a fine line between building for your future and trying to over-control for it. To the point that now you're not only hoarding some supplies, but now you're, you're kind of feeling this, this need to control every penny that you have. And there's this feeling of, of health, which is I have enough. And then there's the feeling of, it's never enough. Which is always grounded in fear and not hope. And we want to be people of hope. So staying informed, being prepared, being financially stable are, are all good things. And all things we should be engaged in, especially in a time of crisis. But if these are the only things that we are building our hope on, 
if these are the only things that we are holding on to in this storm, we are at risk. We're in dangerous territory. Because every one of those things can be lost or can fail us. And that leads us to feeling uncertain, scared, and without hope. And I don't know about you, but when I am, when I am anxious, when I'm fearful, when I am even panicked, I don't make good decisions. I'm often paralyzed to make even a decision at all. And the thing is, it's, it's okay to be scared. It's, it's okay to be anxious in this season. A lot, a lot is going on, and a lot doesn't feel safe right now, does it? And while our emotions are, are valid and we need to acknowledge them, we don't want them to control us in an unhealthy way. We want to be able to deal with them in healthy ways, in ways that honor God and honor, honor others. So we can be scared, but not scary. And when we are spiritually and emotionally grounded, we have a hope that doesn't fade and a hope that can be offered to others and itself can become contagious. So my question to us is, what, what are we holding on to? Where, where do we go in times of crisis? Where is our hope? This, this, my friends, is why we engage in our faith intentionally. Why we spend time practicing our faith in order to strengthen it and build it. In the last few weeks, we have been talking about the practices that actually put in us in a place experience and encounter God in real ways that build that relationship with God and build that faith within us that allows us to actively engage in our faith. We've been talking about worship and prayer, studying God's word, how we serve others, generosity, and sharing our hope. And I believe that in the midst of crisis, in the middle of the storm, these practices become all the more critical to our emotional and spiritual survival, not simply our well-being. And that these practices build our faith because they create opportunities to encounter God. And so this week I have been looking to Scripture to give me hope and direction. And I found one passage in particular in the Gospel of Matthew, in which Jesus is teaching. And the words that he shares, I think, are so powerful, even for us today. And they come from Matthew 6, verses 19 and 20. 
and let me read them for us today. Stop. Stop collecting treasures for your own benefit on earth, where moth and rust eat them and where thieves break in and steal them. Instead, collect treasures for yourself in heaven, where moth and rust don't eat them and where thieves don't break in and steal them. In these two simple verses, Jesus is talking about two kinds of treasure. Earthly treasure that, that we create and heavenly treasure that comes from God. And Jesus is also talking about priorities. Where will we spend our time and our energy? What will we focus on building up? Too often, we think of heaven as someplace up in the sky where we go when we die. And we can thank our Saturday morning cartoons for that image. But I think the most helpful way to think about heaven is that heaven is where God is. And God is not limited by place or time. So if heaven is where God is, then heaven can be found anywhere in our daily lives. So if we love and serve God now, we'll have that heavenly treasure in the here and the now. A treasure that doesn't decay or rot or rust. A treasure that can't be stolen from us. A treasure that is about enjoying life with God now. Not simply when we die, but in this very life now. So, to collect, as the scripture kind of advises, to collect this heavenly treasure. We love God. And the best way to love God is to love others. As, an, as a relatively new parent, I, I delight in watching my littles love each other. That they, they will sit there and they will make each other laugh without any words, just their giggles. And they delight in one another and they clearly love each other. And that brings me such joy. And I think the same, if not more so, for God. That God is so delighted when he sees us, his children, love one another. Take care of one another. Care for one another. And this is such a powerful way to build our hope on something that doesn't fade or rot. Something that cannot be taken from us. And we talked about some of this last week in talking about serving one another. Loving each other with our actions in practical ways. And the practice that we want to focus on this week is, is the concept of generosity. The idea of, of giving to others and to God. 
And I love the idea of thinking about it as generosity because I think it's, it's such a bigger concept and the idea of giving of all of our resources in so many different ways and the variety and the diversity that that can happen. And it's really about loving others through our resources. That's the essence of generosity. Sharing what we have in order to bless others. It's as simple as that. When we share of what we have, we're no longer focused on what we don't have. We suddenly realize that we had enough to share. And shifting that focus allows us to build hope in ourselves and to share it with others. So what are we holding on to in this storm? Where, where is our hope? Where is, where's our focus? There's this great line from the race car driver, Mario Andretti, when he was asked what it took to be a world-class driver. He answered, don't look at the wall. Meaning, where your attention is, is where you will go. Literally and figuratively. Now, when he was driving, I have no doubt that Mario was very aware of where the wall was. He was much aware of where it was, where he was driving. But he didn't look at it, because looking at it didn't change where it was. And it didn't move him forward. It didn't empower him to win the race. Instead, he focused on the race. That was his priority. So where, where are our priorities? Where is our attention leading us? Is it on ourselves? and what we don't have, or what we're afraid of? If that's the case, we need to shift our focus, our attention. We need to shift it outward and start caring for others. And the beautiful thing is that we, we don't simply do this alone. Yes, we do it as individuals, but we also do it as a church, and collectively we find such power in that. Right now, our care team is the boots on the ground. They're connecting with our congregation, meeting some social needs, simply through conversation, through just touching base with people. But they're also asking about some practical needs. Are there errands to be run, groceries to be picked up, needs that need to be met even in the midst of a crisis? And my question to us as a church is, can we supply that team with the resources that they need to meet those needs? Can we engage in generosity in order to care for our neighbors, especially in this time of crisis? This, this is why we give to the church, so that in community we can do more there are there's so many needs right now in our community 
and they've been compounded by the fact that we've had some severe flooding. We've had some people who have had to leave their homes. And so my question is, how, how are we going to extend generosity as a church? How are we going to love our neighbors through our financial resources, as well as our ability to serve them? There is still kingdom work to be done, even in the midst of this social distancing that we're engaging in, in order to protect each other. In fact, I would say there's even more a need to engage in ministry. The thing is, ministry happens whether we are here on Sunday mornings, physically together in this church, or if we are out in the world. Ministry is 24-7. And the beautiful thing is that I get to see this happen all the time through you and through this church. That today I stand here grateful for those who who served some of those evacuees, some of those who were displaced by the flooding and who were brought to the mall here on Friday. They were dropped off here so that they could meet with their family and friends in a safe central location to, to go to their homes. And as a church, we were invited in to offer coffee and comfort. And I'm so grateful that those of you who stepped into that, that we are still the church, God's very outreach on earth. And that while we are not meeting face to face, we can still support those ministries that this church does in these efforts. That while we may not be able to physically drop a check in a Give Hope station on Sundays, we can mail one in or we can give online. And then there's a beautiful thing that that not only as a church, but as individuals, we get to engage in generosity every day. Yesterday, one of you told me how you had opened your home to a college student who had been displaced because her school had closed and she couldn't go home yet. And I love the fact that you have opened your home to her, engaging in such practical generosity with her. This is what it means to serve one another through our resources, to love one another through our resources. That when we engage in loving others through our generosity, we find, we actually find that the storm isn't so big. We may even find that the storm itself is manageable. We find treasures that do not fade. We find hope that gives meaning and purpose to our days. We find the hope in God that will carry us through. Not only today, but tomorrow and the coming weeks and into the future. So I pray that we will be a church of generosity a church that practices this very beautiful, profound way of loving others through our resources. Amen.